Whatever our future holds, from hardship, trials, or pains, we're not alone in dealing with it. God is with us. This message is the ninth in the series, Fear Less. The message is entitled, Less Fear of the Future, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, and your teaching sheets as we uh, wrap up a series of messages. Next weekend will be Palm Sunday weekend, so I encourage you to be prepared to come and worship as we think about going into the Passion Week and Easter as well. And this weekend, I'm wrapping up this series entitled Fear Less. We started it back in January 2016, and uh, I hope that it's been a blessing in your life. I've really enjoyed teaching on this topic. Uh, how many of you have had at least God say at least one thing to you through this series? I know He's been talking to me about it, about a lot of things in my own life. And I want to wrap up this whole topic this weekend of less fear of the future. How do we have less fear of the future? The future is something that troubles all of us when we look out ahead because it's two reasons. Primarily, number one, it's unknown. You don't know what's going to come and you can't foresee what's going to happen. And second of all, you can't control it. There's no, nothing really in some ways that you can do to exactly handle what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or five years from now. And so it's unknown and it's uncontrollable. And anything that's unknown and uncontrollable really has the tendency to produce quite a bit of anxiety in you and me. And so we have to learn how to battle against this thing, this fear of the future. And last weekend I talked about the fact that what's unknown to, God, unknown to me is known to God, that even though I don't know it, God knows what's going on in the future. And what might be hard for or impossible for me, it's, it's easy for and possible with God. And we talked about how that alleviates some of our fear of the future. And we talked about the importance of recalling God's faithfulness in the past because you've already lived through part of your future. Your, your yesterday became your future when you stepped into today. And so we've lived through the future and we've seen God's hand protecting us and guiding us and providing for us. How you can just shake your head and say, God's taken care of me so far. I'm still standing. Amen. I'm still here. Okay. Okay? So you've gotten through some stuff already, and so you remember the faithfulness of God from your past, and that helps you as you and I move into our present and into our future. But I want to remind you of two more things this evening, this weekend, that will help you to fight, because this is what God's calling you to be as a fighter, okay? How do you get in the ring? How do you put those boxing gloves on? How do you fight against fear appropriately and biblically? And there are two things you need to remember when you're fighting the fear of the future. You're putting these gloves on, you've got this future out there that's unknown and uncertain and, and uncontrollable. So how, what do you do to fight it well? And two things I'll share with you this evening. The first thing for our teaching time tonight is that whatever your future is going to be, here's the good news, God's going to be with you. Isn't that great to know? Doesn't just know what it is, but whatever your future is, God's going to be with you. He's going to be with you. If you've ever gone through a troublesome time before with a friend beside you, you know how, what a blessing that can be. It might be an illness that you're going through or a troublesome time, but you have a friend that's, that's right there. It makes a difference, doesn't it? To have someone with you that you know cares about you. And it's important to know that as you're going into your future, as you step into tomorrow, not only has God already been in your tomorrows because He is the God that transcends time and space, but He's going to be with you in the process. You will not go into it alone. And God wants you to know and believe some things about His presence with you in today and in your future. 
Before Jesus went back to heaven, after he rose from the grave and uh, had died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave, he ascended from the Mount of Olives back up into the heavens from which he will come back again. But before he went, he gave what, we, what is often referred to as the Great Commission. And I want you to notice in Matthew 28, verse 20, one of the things, one of the last things that Jesus said, this is important, before he went back to heaven, this is one of the last things that Jesus said. Read it with me. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why do you think Jesus made that some of his last words? Because it's easy for us to doubt that God's with us. But as you go into your future, I want you to know that Jesus, before he goes back, he says, I want you to remember one thing. Remember that surely I am with you always, not on occasion, not just when you're being good, not just when everything's right in your life, but I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Here's your assurance that you can live with the confidence that I'm never going to leave you. The writer of Hebrews really relates this to us as well in very similar words. In Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, he says, Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And so when you know that God is with you, you can say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So every day that you step into, you step into a day that God, only, God not only knows about, but he also is with you in, and you can say, God is my helper this day. Now, God is not a useless bystander in your days. In Proverbs 18, 24, we're told what God does for us as he goes with us into our future. The Bible says, one who has unreliable friends, this is verse 24 of Proverbs 18, one who has, a, has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend, circle that in your notes, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that friend that is being referred to is Jesus. You might recall uh, if you've been in church for any length of time or you grew up in church, there's an old hymn that says, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. So you're not just given this awareness that there's some sort of nebulous presence of God that goes with you in your future, but this presence of God is a presence of God who is your your friend, he's a friend to you. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, again, defines this, this helping nature of God with us. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He is your friend and he is your helper. God goes with you into your future. It's important to realize this. So we remember, how do I put my boxing gloves on when this fear shows up in my life about tomorrow or a year from now? What's going to happen with my job or what's going to happen with my health or what's going to happen with my family? All these things that lay out there that are unknowns, unpredictable for us, uncontrollable to us. We put on our boxing gloves by saying, whatever it is, God will be with me.
not only will he be with me, but he will be with me as my friend and he will be with me as my helper. I can lean into him and find the grace and the help that I will need in that moment. Isn't it good to know that you have that assurance in your life wherever you step, whatever you step into in your future, you remember that. There's another thing I want to talk about, and this is where I want to spend most of my time this weekend, and that's that we have to make some choices as well about our future, and that living responsibly, and that's the word I want you to write down, I'm going to talk about here in a story in just a moment, living responsibly today prepares me for my tomorrows. If you want to have a better tomorrow, where do you focus your attention? Today, right, just makes sense. So if I can build my life more securely today then if I can live by the right principles today, even though I don't know what's coming my way tomorrow, I will be better prepared for tomorrow, right? So the more responsible I become in my present, the better prepared I am for my future. There are a lot of people that live irresponsibly and they just hope everything sort of goes well. And while God is with you in your future, He also wants you to use uh, or make commitment to living responsibly so that you will have things set in your life that will help you as you go into your future. I want to talk to you about a story uh, from the Old Testament that will really, I think, help you to understand this whole idea of how you and I walk into our future with responsibility. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is found in the book of Ruth. Have you ever read through the book of Ruth before? Okay. The book of Ruth, I would encourage you, go home this weekend and read four chapters. You probably can read the book of Ruth, Ruth in, I don't know, maybe 30, 35 minutes. And that's reading slowly. Okay, They're pretty, really easy to read. It's a great story, tremendous story. And the book of Ruth really gives us a picture of how God goes with you in your future but also how you need to make some choices to do responsible things that will help you to be prepared for your future and experience God's best. Let me just sort of lay out the book, the story for, of the book of Ruth for you. So I'm not going to read for you tonight. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to give you a history lesson. Is that okay? All right? I want to talk you through the history. I love history, and so I'm just going to talk you through the history of the book of Ruth. What's the book of Ruth all about? The book of Ruth happens in a time in Israel's history when they didn't have a king or leadership, very much leadership, was the time of the judges. The time of the judges was a guy by the name of Samson, for example. He was one of the judges. And there, so there are different judges that were ruling at different times. But Israel had really walked away from God. And because Israel had walked away from God, Israel or Judah especially, they were living in a time of great famine because God was punishing. Your sins always get you in trouble. Amen. So Israel's sins got her in trouble. And so here they are living in a time of famine. And there's a couple living in the Bethlehem area of Judah, the little tribe of Judah, Elimelech and Naomi. That's the couple's name. So Elimelech and Naomi. And they're living in this little village, and they're going through this time of crisis, and this famine is in the land. They can't feed their family. And so... Uh, Elimelech says, okay, we're going to move, we're going to move to Moab, okay? And Moab was kind of over across the Dead Sea that were moving to the east because that was a place where he could sustain his family in a time of famine. So they move over there, okay? And they have two sons. So it's a, it's a, they've got two kids that are grown up now. And so uh, what happens was is that Elimelech, after they moved to Moab, died. I mean, he kicked the bucket, he's gone, and so he's, he's out of there. And so here's Naomi, she's, not, she's married, she was married, had two kids, now her husband's gone, and her two boys got married in Moab, 
And, and then after a period of time, her sons died as well. Okay? So she's away from home. She has no family around her. Her husband's gone. Her two sons are gone. And she's left there herself alone, no family, and two daughter, uh, daughters-in-law. Okay? So that's, what, that's her line. Her daughters-in-law are Orpah and Ruth. Not, not Oprah. Okay? Orpah. Okay? Orpah and Ruth. Okay? So Orpah and Ruth are the two daughters-in-law from Moab. They were, they were Moabites. Okay? So everybody with me so far? Okay? Very important lesson. Very important story here. And so Ruth says, I'm going to go back home, okay? I, you know, I don't have anything holding me here. And I've heard that the famine's okay back in Judah now. So I'm going, to, I'm going back to Bethlehem to live there. And so and she makes her journey. On her way, she turns to Orpah and Ruth and says, you guys stay here. You know, this is where your family is. This is all that you know. You don't need to come back with me uh, to Bethlehem. You stay here. And Orpah said, okay, I'm going to hang out here. I'm not going with you. But Ruth said, don't ever ask me to leave you. I, I'm bound to you. I love you. I'm committed to you. Wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever you do, I'm going to do. Your God now is going to be my God. And so she goes. Ruth goes back with Naomi to Bethlehem. But when they arrive there, they arrive there as two widows with no income at all. Okay? Their husbands are gone. They have no money coming in. It was, they had no social security. They had no, no aid at all. Nothing to take care of them. They're in really big trouble. In other words, what I'm saying to you is their future was very bleak, right? And so now they're going to see, what, is, how, how, what will my future look like? Because from an outward standpoint, they, they have nothing to take care of them. They have no husbands. There's no system in place to take care of them at all. And so when they get back to Bethlehem, uh, Naomi being older, she couldn't go out and work. And so Ruth says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to some of the places where they're cutting grain down, barley grain down. And I'm going to go hang out in the fields because there was, a, there was a, a law in Israel that if you were poor, you could come into one of these fields. And after they cut the grain, you could come around and you could glean some of the harvest after the grain had been taken. You could get some of the leftovers. And so she goes out and she hangs around as a beggar. Okay. So she really is, they're basically, if you will, homeless. They don't have anything that's going to secure their future. And so she's going around kind of taking what she can get from the grain that's left over. And so she goes to a particular, particular field where she starts gleaning the, the, the wheat. It's very interesting because the owner of that field saw her there and took great interest in her. And started telling his workers, leave extra for this lady here, and started really helping her out to get resources. And what Ruth didn't realize, that by God's hand, God had taken her to the field of a man who could actually, by reason of who he was, he was a part of their family, and they didn't even know it. And so he's the one guy, one of, one of two guys that actually could redeem that family and marry into the family and take over the responsibility of taking care of them. But God got Ruth to the right place without her even knowing it. Isn't that good to know? Go read the story. It's an amazing story. She had no clue. She just went out to collect some wheat and God got her to the field where she needed to be. I'm telling you this evening, if you're in trouble right now, you hang on because God's got the field for you, okay? He's got the right field for you, okay? You just trust Him. He'll get you where you need to be, okay? 
because she didn't realize that, but God was with her and God was guiding her steps. And he gets, so she gets to the field of a man by the name of Boaz. And then they discover suddenly that he's a part of the family and he makes the decision to actually marry into the family and take over the responsibility of caring for Ruth and Naomi. And everything works out so that he's able to do that. And eventually, I want you to get this part of the story as well. What happened was after Ruth and Boaz are married, they have a son by the name of Obed, and Obed has a son by the name of Jesse, and Jesse has a son by the name of David. Isn't that incredible? That's coming from a beggar. That's coming from somebody that's homeless, somebody that doesn't have any hope for their future at all, but they had a confidence in God and they made some good decisions. So I want to walk you through some lessons tonight that we can learn from Ruth. Anybody think that Ruth's a good example for us? Okay. If Ruth, by some good choices and trusting in God, got into the family lineage of the great king of Israel, David, and more importantly, she's in the lineage of none other than Jesus Christ himself, who comes from the line of David. And so here is this Moabite lady who ends up in the heritage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If God can do something with a lady like that, there's some lessons we can learn from her for our lives. Amen? Okay. Right? Tremendous. Tremendous stuff. Okay. So go to your notes. Let me take you down through seven things we learn from Ruth's life, Ruth's life, and that will help you to, to make sure that you're doing what you need to do so that you can have the secure future that God wants you to have. You don't have to have any fear of it. You guys ready? Everybody understand the Ruth story? Good. Do I need to go over it again? No? We're good. All right. The first thing you have to do if you're going to live responsibly so that you can See God take care of your futures. You have to live according to God's rules. You've got to say, God, what are your rules? I want to live by your rules. Naomi and Ruth followed God's principles and followed God's commands, even though they didn't understand it all, it didn't feel good to them at the time. They just did the right thing. And dear one, if you'll listen tonight, I hope you'll let God speak this into your heart. If you'll make the choice starting tonight to live a pure life, to live a righteous life, to live a godly life, to live by God's rules, you will never regret living righteously. You, you will regret living unrighteously. I promise you, when you break the laws of God, it always leaves you with regret somewhere down the line. But when you obey God's word, it always secures your future. The best way to, to be a guaranteed of, the, of a great future is to live by God's rules. And you find the rules of God in the book called the Bible. It's not just a system of religious rules. It's the way God says, this is the best way to live your life. We talked about it last week. David said, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging bread. He qualified it with the word righteous. The second thing that's necessary, if you're going to be a responsible person that secures your future, is you have to be positive. Say the word with me. Be what? Positive. Ruth had a positive spirit. You read the story for yourself. Not once do we find Ruth complaining about her circumstances as a young widow. 
There's no bitterness in her. You never see a word of bitterness in her, her, her heart. She never expressed any anger about the things that happened in her life. She never blames anybody for her circumstance. She never complained about having to go to work to feed herself and her mother-in-law. She was a positive person in the midst of being a beggar. She did not allow her circumstances to define her. She kept her spirit Positive. Why? Because she believed in the core of her being that God was going to take care of her. And Naomi, she never appears worried or fretful or anxious. She is absolutely confident that God is going to take care of us. So the first thing you do to go into your future, if you want to have a good future, here's your responsibility. Number one, live how? Righteously. Find out what God's laws are and obey them. If you're not obeying God's word in your life right now, change. Just, you can change, okay? That's called repentance. And repentance is just turning around and saying, I'm going to live for God now. I've been living my own way. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to live for God. So make the choice right now. This is how I'm going to live. This is going to be your choice tonight because you're getting ready to secure your future. Less fear of the future. Live righteously. And then say, you know what? I'm going to stop this negative stuff. I'm going to stop this negative stuff. This ne Oh, what's going to happen to me? This is terrible. This is horrible. I wouldn't be this way if it weren't for so-and-so. Blame, bitterness, anger. You know, there are a lot of people in our world that, that that's, their, that's their whole theme. You, you just like put in a quarter and here out comes the, the, the spiel, right? Negative. It's just right there all the time. It's just, it's just spilling out of them. And I want to encourage you to make the decision that's not going to be you. That you're going to choose as you move toward your future. You say, I will be a positive person. God is going to take care of me. Yes, it may be hard right now, but this is not the end of the story. Yes, it may be challenging in this moment, but there's another chapter yet to be written. I know that God... God is going to help me get through it. I will not give in to bitterness. I will not give in to anger. I will not give in to blame. I will not give in to grumbling. I will be positive, okay? And so if you're one of those negative folks, just make the decision. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm changing. See, positivism attracts God. It's called faith, okay? Listen, I'm just talking about being positive for positive purpose. I'm talking about faith in God, that you have a confidence in who God is. And so I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to be positive. And Ruth was that way. And then the next thing, the third thing that you make a choice to do is to be consistent. Be consistently righteous and be consistently positive and be consistent in, in whatever God gives you to do. The word, you know, I, I believe that consistency is one of the most powerful things you'll ever do in your life, just to be consistent. You know, the best way to accomplish anything is not just by one big fell swoop, but to do it, do something consistently. What's the best way, what's the best kind of diet to get on to lose weight? Not one where you starve yourself for three days and then like go out and just pig out, okay? The best kind of diet is to get on a consistent way of living, right? Okay, you just change your diet and you consistently make some small changes, but you just keep doing it, right? So you don't go back to the same patterns. And so how did the best way to get in shape? The best way to get in shape is not just like doing one massive, major, mega workout a year, okay? Okay? It'd be nice if that could be the case, right? I'm going to do my mega workout for the year and I'm good to go, no. No, the best way to do something every day, okay? Walk a little bit every day. Do a little bit something more than you're doing. Move on and do it consistently. So anything in life is accomplished, the best accomplished by consistency.
And one of the beautiful things you see about Ruth and Naomi is they were consistent, especially Ruth. She would go out in those fields early in the morning and she just went out. She just kept going. She just would go out and show up every day. I tell you, a lot of people just miss blessings because they don't show up. One of the greatest things you can do is just keep showing up, okay? Just get up every morning, put your feet on the ground and say, I'm going to show up today. I'm going to show up big time. I'm going to be consistent and steady in those things that God has given me the opportunity to do. So she was consistent and faithful in her duties. The fourth thing to, to do as well as a part of this whole thing of being responsible is to be diligent. Say that word with me. Be diligent. Diligent is a little bit different than consistent. They kind of run together. They're sort of first cousins, if you will. It's hard to be consistent without being diligent. But there's a little element, a nuance to diligence I want to talk about. Diligence means that you're earnest and you're energetic. You really are. There's an an enthusiasm. There's something extra you put into the mix. And I've noticed over the years that the people who really succeed in life are the people who add the extra. They're not just showing up, but they're showing up with enthusiasm. They're showing up with that, that little extra effort. They're not the ones that go the first mile. They're the ones that go the second mile, okay? And I always teach people in, in different settings that I'm in when I have opportunity, like I have this, this weekend, to talk to you. In life, don't settle for being ordinary. Amen? Don't ever settle for being ordinary. But I tell you what will always set you apart is... It's strive to be extraordinary. Extraordinary. Say the word with me. Extraordinary. And I promise you it's easy to be extraordinary. All you do is just add some extra to the ordinary. That's all you do, okay? You just have to add a little extra to the ordinary. You know that most people are satisfied with just living an ordinary life? But if you'll say, you know what, God, with you, I'm not going to live an ordinary life. I'm going to be an extraordinary father. I'm going to be an extraordinary mother. Amen? I'm going to be an extraordinary grandfather or grandmother. I'm going to be an extraordinary entrepreneur. I'm going to be an extraordinary teacher. I'm going to be an extraordinary worker. I'm going to be the guy or gal on the job that adds that little extra in there because when you add that little extra to the ordinary then you start living an extraordinary life and when you live that way you're you're actually setting yourself up really well for your future amen okay you know the people that have a blessed future are the people who live extraordinary okay they have, they're, they're preparing themselves in a positive way. And one of the things, if you read, and I, and I hope you'll do this, read this book of Ruth when you get home or sometime this weekend or next week, and you'll see that she did the extraordinary stuff. She, she did a little bit of the extra stuff. She was showing up early. She was engaging in the process. She was gathering as much as she could. And Boaz noticed this, and Boaz actually said to his workers, leave some extra for her because she shows a different kind of spirit. I'll tell you something. You'll start finding extra showing up in your life if you have the right kind of spirit. If you have the right kind of spirit, there'll be all kind of little extra things that'll be left by blessings of God in your life if you have the right spirit about you. And so these are choices you make to secure your future. Let's go to the next one. She was a hard worker. Number five, the fifth thing, be humble. Be humble. There was something very pleasant about Ruth's personality. She, she was never pushy. She was never obnoxious. She was never demanding. 
As we mentioned a moment ago, she was certainly not ungrateful. Everything she received, she had deep gratitude about. She demonstrated a pleasantness that prepared her for all the possibilities that God had in store for her. She had, there was no pride or arrogance about her. She had this winsome spirit of humility. Let me show you how this works. She shows up in this field, right? Remember the story I told you a moment ago to, to, to gather some of the grain, right? And she doesn't know whose field she's in. There's no idea. God knew. She didn't know initially whose field she was in. God had put her. Now, what if she'd gone into that field as a grumpy lady? What if she'd gone into that field just with an entitlement mentality? Oh, you, you owe this to me, or I, I demand this from you, or with a prideful kind of spirit. What would have been the end result of the story? Certainly, Boaz would not wanted to add her into his family. I mean, how many you are looking for, for, uh, for grumbling people to add to your family? How many have enough of those already? All right, okay, right? There would have been nothing of an attraction there for Boaz, but because she had this, this, this humble, pleasant spirit about her, Boaz said, you know what? I want to find out more about this. Who is this? And out, out of the discovery, finds out that there's a part, he becomes the kinsman redeemer that brings her into the family, which is phenomenal. But it was all related to, much of it was related to the fact that she had the right kind of spirit about her. She was humble. Humility, people often get confused about humility. Let me talk about it for a moment. Humility is not... Feeling like you're worthless. That's not humility, okay? Humility is acknowledging God as the source of all good things in your life. That whatever you accomplish, instead of you taking credit for it, where do you point the credit? To God. If you do a good job, who gave you the wisdom to do it? If you do a good job, who gave you the strength to do it? If you do a good job, who gave you the favor to do it? God did. And so what humility is, is always pointing the glory back to God. It's not feeling like you're a horrible, terrible person. That's not humility. Humility is acknowledging that I'm dependent upon God and whatever God blesses me with and does in my life, to Him and to Him alone be all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. That's really what it is. And so if you live your life that way, that is God, God, God loves to bless people like that, that. Like that. That's why the Bible says in James chapter 4 that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And so again, if you learn to develop, get, just, just get rid of that prideful spirit about you. Just get rid of it. If it's in you, get rid of it. Why? Because it's blocking your future. It's blocking blessings from your future. And instead, develop this humility that attracts the favor of God in your life. Let's go to the next one. Number six. The sixth thing to do if you're going to secure your future and live responsibly is gain wisdom. Gain wisdom. Ruth was an amazing student of Naomi. In fact, if you read the story, basically anything Naomi told Ruth to do, what did Ruth do? She did it, okay? She didn't fight with her and didn't say, well, I think I know better than you do. She was a student. She was willing to learn. And because she was a student willing to learn, she was able to understand the principles of God that Naomi was able to impart to her, which moved her forward in her life. And so one of the greatest things you will ever do to secure your future is to be a person who is hungry to, to, to attain Wisdom. Wisdom is one of the most precious things you will ever have in your life. Wisdom secures your future. Wisdom is worth getting. The Bible says if you have to pay everything that you have to get wisdom, get it. 
You know, wisdom can take you from a financial mess to financial blessing. Amen? You know, wisdom can take a messed up marriage and make it successful. Right? Are you with me here? Okay. Wisdom can take a, 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 really, a stressed out friendship and you begin to add wisdom to the friendship that you learned from God. It can take a friendship that you thought was going downhill and south quickly and can completely turn it around. Wisdom has the power to radically transform your life. But to be wise, you have to, yes, be humble, but you also have to learn to be a student, to lean into wisdom. And I know that's who you are because you're here this evening leaning into wisdom. But don't take these messages and just somehow file them away, but let them become a part of your life. See, the Scripture is meant to be lived, not just known in your head, but lived out in your life. God didn't get, did, does not give us just knowledge at the, in our head level, but He wants us to live out a life that is transformed by truth, okay? So gain all the wisdom that you can gain because every bit of wisdom that you grow in, that's why you ought to take every class here at church you can take. You ought to do, uh, engage in every opportunity that's provided for you. Why? Because it's getting wisdom. And that will always facilitate you know, better blessing for your future. It helps you to be secure in the days to come. And then there's one last thing I want to talk about this evening. So we're wrapping up this series. It's very simple, but it really, it really does kind of wrap up everything we've talked about in all of these nine messages, and that's keep trusting, keep trusting, keep trusting God. I want you to look this way just for a moment. We spent, we're spending, we spent nine weeks on a fearless life, right? Fearless life. And I want to tell you this evening, I want you to hear these words. Never, never, never stop trusting God. Don't ever let the devil tell you that he's not trustworthy. Don't ever convince yourself that God's not trustworthy. But our God is a trustworthy God. Never, ever, ever doubt in the dark what you know to be true in the light. Okay? You're going to go through some dark times in life. But in those moments, that's the time to pull your faith out and say, Yeah, it's dark right now, but I've got faith that's going to carry me through this thing. I will, even though it's dark, I will never, never, never stop trusting God. Ruth and Naomi trusted God when their circumstances seemed impossible and God did not fail them. And God, are you hearing me? God will not fail you either. God will not fail you. And when the, when the fear comes in, when the anxiety wants to overwhelm you, I want you to read with me Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, because this is exactly what you need to do in affirming your trust in God. Let's read it together loud and loudly and affirmatively together. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to read. Go ahead and tell him it's time to read. Here we go. Read it with me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you, as you what? Trust in Christ Jesus. That all boils down at the end of the day to what's the word again trust the end result is really determined by your trust in God
Naomi and Ruth trusted? Where did it lead them? It led them without them even understanding to the field where not only they could find food for the day, but security for their future. Did you hear that? Because they trusted in God, God led them. When they could not even figure it out themselves, God got them to the field that took care of them for their day. They got their daily bread there, but it also secured their future. And not only their future, but brought about the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear ones, there's, there's, it's, it, only, only God knows what your life can become when you say, fear no way. Jesus, my trust is in you. Amen? Confidence. Let me wrap up with one last passage here. It's in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3. Just let these words sink in. This will be our last passage as we wrap up this evening. But now, this is what the Lord says. So who's talking here? So he's talking to you right now. This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you I have summoned or called you by name you are mine who's he talking to say he's talking to me say it with me he's talking to me okay come on say it again he's talking to me you hearing this let me start again who's he talking to talking to you talking to me but now this is what the Lord says who created you that's you Jacob, who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Amen. Live a fearless life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. Thank you for speaking to us. We pray you'll take this message. And Lord, again, as we talked about a moment ago, we don't want just information. We want transformation. Lord, we want to live a life like Ruth lived and Naomi lived and trusting in you and to see the potential you can bring out of even very negative circumstances. So I pray you'll help us to, to remember these truths. Let them be applied deeply in our hearts. and Let us live to serve you every day and to trust in you every moment of every day, knowing that you're with us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that 
that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.